Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week and you know as I as we dug into the reality of grace and how that is such an essential part of our hope because without grace there is no hope. If we are not driven by grace, if we are not living in the understanding of what it means to be saved by grace under this new covenant of grace, you could easily get bound up and be walking a walk that God never designed for you because he designed you and created you to walk in liberty. Remember, stand fast. Stand in the liberty that Christ has called you to. That's harder to do than we think because we like to earn, don't we? We like to earn our right standing. We like to earn merit. We like to earn through our deeds. It's, it's the way of life that we are accustomed to here. You get rewarded for doing good. You get rewarded, don't you? You don't get raises or promotions if you don't do your job. That would be awesome at some level to be recognized for just being a great guy, whether I do my job or not. But we, even growing up, you know, you, you behave, you're rewarded. If you don't behave, you're punished, you know. But what we're seeing is that in, in grace, you all, there's a, it's offensive. Paul even said it's the offense of the cross, that it, it, it's contrary to our nature, that we have to receive it because we can't earn it. There's something in that that if you really begin to get it and understand it, it changes the way you live. I think all of us are here today because we do have hope beyond what we can see. We do have hope beyond what we can understand. We have hope for something greater. We have hope that as we walk with God, we are changed. And I think all of us desire to be changed at some level, to walk in a deeper sense of purpose, to to be able to make an impact or, or, or to come outside of what we're used to. And maybe some of, some of you are really bound up and you're in very difficult situations and you've had a, you've had a hard life. You've dealt with some, some very tragic things in your life or you've dealt with a sin in your life that you just can't seem to overcome. And, and you're here and, and you're needing just something to hold on to. And if it was anything but grace, you couldn't hold on to it very much for very long because it would become all about you again. The thing about the cross, it's, it's all about him. And the church, man, if we can begin to understand that again at a deeper level, even those that have been believers for a long time, it's the impact of grace that can be missed. We could say we believe in it, but functionally we're not walking as we do believe. See, Paul in verse 11 of Galatians 2 says this, Paul was always getting into confrontations, but it was always about grace. Now he's, now he's getting in Peter's face. The apostle, Peter, who walked with Jesus. Paul's now getting in his face. And we're going to see why. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. He, he, would, he would live as one under this covenant of grace. That they were just as worthy of the forgiveness of of God through Jesus as they were, that all men, Jew or Gentile, were seen equal 
in the eyes of God now because of Jesus. But before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, meaning the the Jews who were still abiding by the law, saying abiding in the law was essential to salvation, that Jesus wasn't enough, that you had to still obey the law in order to be justified. He withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision or those who were of the law still. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, we'll stop right there. When I saw that they, they were not straightforward about the truth of the what? Gospel means good news. And who is he referring to? Jesus, but who is he referring to? Who, who weren't being straightforward? Peter. Peter, the apostle. Peter was still being dragged into this law-abiding mentality. Even if he didn't totally believe it, he was so afraid of the judgment that would come from the ones that were the legalists, the law-abiders, that he disowned the good news of the gospel, saying they weren't worthy to have fellowship with because they had not yet been circumcised. They had not done what the law required. Therefore, they aren't saved. They aren't one of us. And Paul is like, what is going on? Peter, I expected more from you. You're the apostle. You're, you walked with Jesus. How, how can you do this? How can you fall into this trap again? Because the pressure of legalism is strong. The pressure of law abiding is strong because it fits here. It fits with our understanding. You see, the cross does not. And the fact that uncircumcised and circumcised could be seen as the same and saved in the eyes of God through Jesus just wasn't quite computing. And I love what he says. They were not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. It was all about the gospel for Paul. It was all about that. And he was ministering. He he was called to the Gentiles to bring the good news of the gospel. And he comes back to his own people and see that they're playing the hypocrite. He's like, you're missing the gospel. You're not living the gospel. You're not demonstrating the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Well, let's go to Ephesians 2.4. Paul says this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So let's stop right there. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of whose great love? His great love, with which he loved who? Notice, what we take for granted is we could accept that God is love and merciful, right? He was not required to extend that to us. You know that? He could be all that and still not extend it to us, but he did. And this is what he was trying. He's like, guys, God's great love with which he loved us, meaning it was a choice on God's behalf to extend his love to us, undeserving of that because of our sin. He chose with his great love to love us first. This is what the gospel is all about. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, no, you are a recipient of God's love. Love. 
Shouldn't that be a game changer? It should be. If you believe God is real, if you believe God has created everything that you see, if God is responsible for all that you see, he can do anything. He is God. And God is love. And it's a love that we can't even comprehend within our own understanding. It, 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 it far surpasses anything that we know. That the God of the universe like loves you because of Jesus. That should do something. <laughs> it's a game changer. And who's ever met some really unhappy, bitter Christians? It doesn't go together. I would dare say because they're still bound by law. Because the love of God sets you free. It has to change you. It has to change you. Because some of you, maybe here today, maybe not, are still trying to make yourselves lovable by what you do. Notice, God loved us first, and he didn't have to. But yet, somehow we receive the good news, but then all of a sudden we're back to trying to make ourselves, what? Lovable. That's not the way of the cross. You walk as one that is loved and forgiven. By, by grace, you've been saved, right? So you walk as one that is loved. So if you're trying then to become lovable, see, you're on the wrong path. It's still all about you, not about others. But when you know you are fully loved, and it's the grace of God through Jesus that guarantees that you could be others focused because as you receive, you give. But if you haven't received, you can't give. Messes with your mind. It really does. But watch what he says now. Ephesians 5, 2, 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward who? Us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through what? And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And this boasting in our heads could sound like, well, God loves me more than them because I'm doing this and they're not doing that. That's self-righteousness. <laughs> and it's hard to love your neighbor as yourself if you think you're more lovable than they are. Just saying. And remember last week, Galatians 5.2, which read this again because it's very important. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, if you do this thing to earn your salvation, Christ will profit you what? Nothing. Nada. Zero. Zilch. 
It'll profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law because you can't just keep part of the law. To be in the system of law means you have to obey all the law perfectly to be justified. And the law made that painfully clear to all that were under it that they could not. Now, he goes further. He says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from what? So now you're no longer in grace. You're now under the law. Now, therefore, your purpose is all whacked. You're all out of sorts. You have to be in grace to walk in the purposes of God. You have to be. You are loved because of Jesus. You know that? In the story, you are loved by God because of Jesus and your faith in Jesus. It's hard for us to accept that. Anyway, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through. And why does it become love? Because that's what you're receiving. You're not receiving disappointment and in giving love, right? How backwards would that be? You're not receiving anger and disgust and punishment and then giving love and grace, right? Because if you're yoked here, how are you going to give it here? You can't. It doesn't make any sense. So it has to be the gospel is love. It's grace. It is mercy. And that is what begins to transform you. Why? Because then you believe that the Holy Spirit is in you, creating in you the righteous desires of God. Because his law is good. We just can't live by it perfectly because there's still sin in the world. But the Spirit gives us the power to walk in it. Because we desire it. It's not a means of justification anymore. It's a means of life and freedom. See, so he goes back. Now let's go back to Paul confronting Peter. He goes, I said to Peter before all of them, I didn't make this a secret. If you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? If you're living in freedom like they are, why are you making them live under the law, which you couldn't do? Well, because it felt... Right? I was afraid of the ones that would say you're encouraging sin and that's not right and they need to follow the law. They need to do what God says. Now, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing, see, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. I mean, you're not made right by doing the works of the law. If anything, trying to do the works of the law shows that you're in desperate need of forgiveness. <laughs> you're not justified. You're not made right. You're not more lovable. But by what? Faith in Jesus Christ, even when we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the what? Law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified or made more lovable. 
So again, why am I saying this? Because we're talking about hope. We're talking about purpose. We're talking about hope navigating you through life. If you don't understand your position in Christ before God, your, your hope is diminished, right? And if I were to say all of you, man, who would just love more hope today? Man, hope that just overwhelms you, hope that changes you. I think all of us at some level say, yeah, because hope's important. Hope carries us through every season of life, and there's difficult seasons. But it starts with hope in the grace and mercy of God and his love poured out on us and that we are forgiven. And so I love what he says. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, meaning if we, if we determine to be now under the gospel, the good news, the covenant of grace, we ourselves are also found to be, are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. You see, what he is saying is like, under the new covenant, even the Jews who were the chosen ones who had the law had to acknowledge that they were on equal ground as Gentiles, as sinners, as a condition, not a specific sin, just this is how God views people without the blood of Christ. Like, we have to acknowledge that we are sinners, that we are not justified by doing the law, we are justified by grace. He's like, so, but they're like, well, if you're accepting that you're a sinner and that's what the new covenant says that you are, why does Jesus say, keep sinning, keep sinning. It's like, no, that's the opposite of what happens when you receive grace. It's like, certainly not. But see, the Jews thought that it would remove any incentive for moral effort. Well, I'm just like the Gentiles now. I'm, I'm a sinner just like them. But I'm saved by grace. Where's the moral incentive? That's why the legalists were on this side of it saying, but we got to tell them they have to obey the law. They receive Jesus, but they're saved by obeying, by obeying. But he's like, no, guys, that's not it. But they're like, but where's the moral incentive? If it's not a have to, then why are they going to do it? He's like, they're not, you're not understanding it then. You're not getting it. And this is such an important line, what he says in verse 18. He goes, but if I build, for if I build those things which I destroyed, I make myself a sinner. What is he saying? It's like, if I reintroduce the law that God has set me free from and tore down that whole system, if I go back into this law-abiding mindset of making myself lovable and earning merit before God, I actually make myself a sinner. So the very thing that you're saying they need to do, that you want to do, is making you more of a sinner than it is to accept grace for two reasons. First of all, you're saying, that's not enough. You're saying, that's not enough. That what was accomplished on the cross is not enough. And that was heresy to Paul. It was blasphemy. But secondly, he, Paul knows, he's like, the law without Jesus actually made you more of a sinner because it made you aware of your sin. 
It made you painfully aware that you couldn't meet the standards. It makes you more of a sinner without any hope of transformation. He's like, so if you're rebuilding this, all you're doing is now actually becoming a sinner. Who wants to be more of a sinner today? Come on, if you want to be more of a sinner, live under law. Live under it. I'm going to show, I'm going to show you something. First of all, in verse 19, this is Paul saying, guys, I can't go back to that because he goes, of me of all people, go and look, read Paul's accolades. I mean, this dude was a law abider. He was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He knew what it was to keep the law. He was an example. He excelled to the point where he was destroying Christians because they stood for what he was completely opposed to, and that was liberty and freedom and grace. But yet, watch, he goes, but, goes, but guys, I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. What does that mean? What does this verse mean? For I, through the law, died to the law. See, it doesn't say that the law was bad, but the law did what it was supposed to. He goes, me living through the law, in the law, according to the law, was made so painfully aware of how imperfect I was, was made so painfully aware of the sin in my life, so painfully aware of how short I fall every time. I was made so aware of the things in me that are not of God. So even in my excellence in obeying, I was dying inside. And I came to the point where I realized that the goodness of God, the mystery of God was found in Christ Jesus to deliver me through this and into grace. So for through the law, I died to me. I want, I'm dead. I'm done. I was dead under that. I am done. I need grace and mercy. So through his obedience, he was dying and made aware of how imperfect he was and that would never be justified before God. And then Jesus comes along, and then when he receives that revelation on the road to Damascus, everything became clear. It's so important that we get this, guys. The church needs to be revived in this knowledge. Some of you are dying, and you realize you're dying, but it doesn't, your life is not in more obedience, more law-abiding. It's in receiving by faith the grace and love of God. Knowing that your faith in Jesus says that you are loved by God with a great love. And that love is a motivator. See, Paul was aware of this. Look at what, look at what Jesus says when he's Sermon on the Mount. This one verse, Matthew 5.20. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, meaning they were the standard, but even they weren't perfect, unless it exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Talk about a yoke. How good do I have to be? You'll never be good enough. Jesus was saying, all right, guys, this is really what the law means. Just because you're obeying the letter of the law, you're missing the heart of the law. Just because your outward actions were, 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 be, were, were, met, were 
were lived according to what the law said, their hearts were still far away from God, but yet they didn't realize it because their outward behavior was in line with what was required. And Jesus is like, that's not what it's about. It's the heart issue, and it's understanding that without God, without his Holy Spirit, we don't have a shot. Wow. Isaiah 64, 6, what's it say? But we are all like an unclean thing. Yay! And our righteousness are like filthy rags. Woohoo! We all fade as a leaf, and our, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. I mean, again, are you seeing the standard? And why am I saying this? Because some of you are still under a very heavy, burdensome, suffocating standard that you will be able to live when you set yourself free. God is saying, as good as you think you are, even your greatest works are still filthy in comparison to who I am. We have to understand that, you all. What we bring to the table is faith. And as we receive his grace and mercy in faith, and the spirit is deposited in us, it then transforms us, and we begin to bear fruit of those who are children of God as we live. He says, don't rebuild. Don't rebuild. For if I build myself, which I have destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. The message for today is this. Write it down. Don't rebuild what God has destroyed. Don't rebuild what God has set you free from. Right now, some of you are living a purpose that is rebuilding what God has torn down. Stop rebuilding a merit system. Stop judging God's love for you by what you do and don't do. Stop rebuilding a system that feels very familiar to you. It's so important. Whoever watched, there was a show a while ago at Ty Pennington. It was like Extreme Makeover home edition, and they would go to a deserving family. Maybe they were on financially, uh, they'd come on some financially hard times or, or something. There was something about the family. They, they were in need, and they would bless this family by sending them on vacation and totally renovating their house in a week, making it amazing. Like, it, you're literally, you're like, I wish I could be on that show, <laughs> receiving it. But see, it was such an awesome, I loved, I loved the reveals. I, I loved how pe- the, the response, you know what I'm saying? That's what you lived for was them, you know, unveiling the house and, and seeing this brand new house. And they didn't, they didn't pay for it. They were, they were just blessed abundantly by these people, by this city. And then they walked in and got to see this incredible, this brand new house that they can now live in. They didn't have to build, they didn't have to do anything except live in it. Now, what if there was a show that followed up and you saw them rebuilding the walls that were knocked out, bringing the old furniture back in, right? Tearing out the hardwood and putting that old, whatever. Imagine if you saw them rebuilding what was there. Imagine, that wouldn't be a very uplifting show. It would be a show of absolute frustration. What are you doing? It just felt more comfortable with the 70s shag. (laughs) 
I want a moldy bathtub. I love bathing in mold. <laughs> right? You can go on and on and on with this, but the reality is, imagine how frustrated God is when we start rebuilding a law system that he paid the ultimate price for us to be out of so we could live in grace. But we're sitting there rebuilding everything because it feels familiar, and all we're rebuilding is death and sin. But it feels familiar. It's the good news of the gospel. And Paul was so agitated, he had to say, Peter, what are you doing? You're not being true to the gospel, you of all people. Come on. I mean, look, Romans 5, 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, speaking of Adam, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness, righteous act, a free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life because of Jesus For as by one man's disobedience, many were made what? Thanks, Adam. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made what? Just as we are hopeless as we were born because of sin in the world, we are born into sin. We are born separated from God because of one man's act, Adam. They're saying because of Jesus now and you're receiving of him, you are now righteous whether you like it or not whether you like it or not. Moreover, watch this. The law entered that the offense, what, might decrease? (laughs) What? That was the purpose. It was a tutor. The pointus to the need of a savior. The law was given so that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, now grace abounded much more. Under the law, guess what abounded? Sin. Sin, judgment, that's what the law did. It stirred in us all the things that we did not even know existed until we read it and knew it, and it stirred it, and then sin began to abound with no hope of true justification and change. But now, as sin abounded under the law, guess what abounds more? Grace. That's what the good news does. As you're aware of your sin, grace abounds. As you're aware that you're justified because of Jesus, grace abounds. And where grace abounds, life abounds, and freedom abounds, and liberty abounds. How? It's important. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. This is so awesome. Know what the law did? I just, I don't know much about jewelry or diamonds, but I do know there's perfections and imperfections, and the more, the less, the more perfect it is, the more worth, the more valuable it is. But often, like, there's a standard, and they, they'll apply, they'll, they'll hold up this diamond to another diamond. This is the more perfect diamond, and that will actually then begin to demonstrate and show its flaws. Or they put something behind it. Say, that's the most beautiful stone. How perfect is that? But a jeweler, if they put something behind it and contrast it, they can begin to see all the imperfection, as pretty as it might seem. This is what the law did. 
It was there to show us how imperfect we really were and how that will never change. And all that did was sin abounded in that. But now, you see, we have this. Well, we don't see ourselves through the law anymore just as God does it. We have to see ourselves through the cross. And in that, we understand that because God sees us through the cross, he sees righteousness. He sees perfection because of Jesus. And when we receive that, it changes how you live. If I ask each of you individually, how does God view you today? What would you say? Without being religious, without saying the right thing. Is God measuring you by the law or is he measuring you by the cross? Because the cross says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you have been set free from sin. And it no longer reigns over you. You have Christ in you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And you are sealed. And you have purpose. Wow. You see how it's important to go back to this stuff every now and then? (laughs) If Peter was struggling... I have a feeling many of us can struggle. (laughs) Now watch what he says, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God, who what? And gave himself for. I do not set aside the what? The grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. (laughs) Some of you have unintentionally set aside grace to rebuild a law system. And today you need to be painfully aware that you just need to tear that down. Burn it. Crush it. Wrecking ball, whatever you need to do. You have to by faith, meaning it's going to take an act of faith. You say, Lord, this doesn't make sense to me, but I believe in you and I'm going to receive it. Receive it. And walk in it. And then we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 5.14. I read this during communion. Now it makes even more sense. For the love of Christ compels us. Because if we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I mean, that's like good news when you understand grace, right? I just know God's doing something in this church. I think it's clear to see. But if we are not reminded and rooted in the grace of Jesus, all that we do could be in vain. We could forget our first love and do a lot of works that God's like, I'm not asking you to do those. 
And a lot of you have different upbringings in terms of what type of church you went to and type of what type of system that they preached. There been a lot of been, might have been a lot of box checking. If you did these things and you're okay, it's, it, like, it, it's law. And by the authority of the word, I'm saying you need to look at that and say that is not of Jesus. That's of man. And today is the day you receive by faith grace and believe it despite yourself. <laughs> Amen? And that's why we remember what he did on the cross. It mattered so much that you would walk in liberty and in the purposes of God that he gave his life for it. Because that's the only thing that could save us. Amen? Is God good? Is God love? Are you saved? Are you loved by God? Are you in the grace of God? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Is the Holy Spirit transforming you? If you slip up, will God disown you? Okay, I'll make it. Just seeing. Just seeing. (laughs) He will not. (laughs) Well, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father, for this. Again, this not just a reminder, Lord. It's more than a reminder. It's marching orders. It's to live by grace. It's to walk by grace. It's to set our minds on things above, not on things of this earth, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, that this grace is something that is beyond us, which gives us hope. That means there's more of it to understand. There's more liberty. There's more liberty, Lord. And I know many of us here aren't even feeling that. And they need a touch of your grace, a touch of your mercy. And if there's anyone here that maybe you've never received Jesus, maybe you've never accepted that free gift of salvation that guarantees where you're going to go when you die, or received him, this offer of grace and mercy, in receiving, you're going to receive true purpose and hope. Like you have never done that. You've been trying to earn it and earn it and earn it. If that's you, I'd just like to pray for you. And if you want to, you can raise your hand and I can pray over you. No one's looking, but if you just need to receive it, I just want to give opportunity for that. Now here's the big question. All of us in here are believers in Jesus, but some of you are real heavy. Some of you really are. And this message is almost, it's messing with your head. (laughs) But you know that it's the right thing. And if you just need prayer, I'd like to pray over you, just say, acknowledging, I need more grace. I need more grace. Just raise your hand, and I'll pray over you. Amen, right here. Back there. Okay. Back there. Over there. Yeah, see, over there. If there's anybody else. else before I start beginning to pray. Okay. Lord, I thank you for these individuals that have raised their hand in faith saying, I need more. And Lord, that is, that's a pure prayer. (laughs) 
it's a pure request because Lord, we, we do need more because we can be so bound. So bound by law, so bound by expectations. And Lord, they have raised their hand for a reason. And you know the reason, but you know that they need more of your grace and mercy. And Lord, I would pray that these individuals be able to receive such a huge dose of that today that it overwhelms them, Lord. So they're not focused on their sin as much as they are focused on you and your grace and what that means. Lord, I pray that they can receive the forgiveness that is found in you because they are painfully aware of what they do wrong. But Lord, I help them, Lord, reveal to them your love and mercy. Revealed to them the truth of the gospel, the good news that says they have been set free, they have been saved by grace, and that you love them because they are yours. Lord, just touch their lives. Set them free, Lord. Give them new eyes to see, new ears to hear, Lord, new thoughts. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit do what it could only do and that is to revive and to transform. And we thank you, Jesus, that you hear their prayer. And Lord, I thank you for today for all of us, for the reminder. And I think some of us just need a reminder so that we can walk differently tomorrow and today. And Jesus, thank you for the faithfulness of your grace and mercy. Thank you that when you hung on that cross and took your last breath. Right before you took your last breath, you said, it is finished, meaning it is done. New covenant is established. You have fulfilled all that needed to be fulfilled. And now you sit on the right hand of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. And we love you and we praise you for all things, Lord. We are your children and we are here to give our lives to you in that is life. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.